the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into hour three. Wanted to cover the upcoming elections uh, from a slightly uh, different uh, look than we usually do on Fridays. Our good friend Josh Hamry, he's the opinion editor at Newsweek. He's a syndicated columnist with uh, the Creator Syndicate. He has a great piece up. You can get it at the American Spectator, Spectator. Dot org is the red wave back. Josh Hammer is not only an editor and a writer and attorney; he's uh, really one of the great, um, really one of the great public intellectuals on behalf of the conservative movement uh, today. Josh, welcome back to the airwaves of Phoenix. Seth, I don't know how I can possibly live up to that incredibly <laughs> gracious introduction, but it's always a pleasure to join you, my friend. Well, we, I, I, I'd love to have you on the air. I'd love to have you back on the ground next time you're in town. We had a great time uh, last time you were here. I'd love to have you back. So let me know when you do come back. We could Absolutely. use you. We could use you. Is the red wave back? Two and a half weeks before November eight. The question now is how high the wave might reach. What are you seeing, Josh? I think the short answer to that, that my rhetorical question of the, in the title of my column, is yes. I, I think arguably it's a resounding yes. I mean, just the sense that I get, and you know, I follow the real clear politics polling averages pretty closely. I read all the relevant newsletters. I I have all these uh, group chats with friends from law school in the commentator business. I mean, the general sense of just everyone that I am talking to and just having my thumb on the pulse and everything is that we are building up, as it currently stands, to a huge crescendo. And at this point, I think 52 to 53 Senate seats for Republicans is looking like a pretty bare minimum at the current time. I would not be shocked. I really would not be shocked if we start having a little fun and getting into 54, 55 wow. territory. Wow. And that's, and that, at that point, that's going to include, you know, races like New Hampshire, maybe even like a Colorado or, dare I say, a Washington state. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, Seth, I know that you're seeing what I'm seeing. I mean, there was a poll today out of my home state of, of New York State that had Lee Zeldin up by one. I, I was blown away by that. Race. I was so blown away by that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like when you see Republicans leading statewide in New York State, and it's not just the horse race polling. I mean, if you look at the crosstabs of the issues that, that the voters are now telling the pollsters that they care about, it's all on Republican terrain. It's economy, it's inflation, it's crime to a slightly lesser extent, uh, albeit probably not to a lesser extent there out in Arizona. It's uh, border security and immigration. So, you know, these are all issues where the public consistently tells the pollsters they trust Republicans more. I mean, even on the abortion issue, which Democrats totally overplayed their hands on in the aftermath of, of the Dobbs decision, even on that issue, there was a poll that I saw earlier this week. I forgot the exact pollster, but uh, this poll said that by a nearly two-to-one margin, Americans say that the Democrats' stance on abortion is more extreme and more radical yep. than Republicans. Yes. So I, I think no matter, no matter how you cut it, I see a way of coming. Yeah, I have seen those. I, I've seen that poll asked here locally when they get the questioning right. You know, do you support the position of no term, li- no limits to abortion whatsoever up to and including the ninth month? 
we, we, we win, the pro-life side wins overwhelmingly, and the Democrats have done their best, I think, to conceal that that is their position. But then, damn it, Josh, you know, in these interviews and debates, when asked on it, whether it's here, Katie Hobbs or Mark Kelly, they have been asked several times, is there any point at which you would, you would, uh, you would issue a limit? And, and it's odd to me that they have um, yoked themselves to such an extreme position, saying, no, they would not, they would leave it up to the decision of the mother or the mother and the doctor. And I, boy, I'll tell you, you, you hear that, you hear ninth month, you hear even born alive. Uh, issues and it, there's no question what the extreme position is. I'm shocked that they have yoked themselves to that, though. I mean, it, that's a really far distance from Sarah, safe, rare, and legal, isn't it? It is a very, very far distance from the Clintonian era of safe, legal, and rare. I mean, we've seen this slowly build up over the past five ten yeah, years. So I yeah. graduated law school in, in 2016. I remember in 2015, yeah, to be fully candid with you, my friend on the air, I was a little bit of a troll at times in law school. I was kind of just trying to have fun with sure, my local classmates. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I, so, <laughs> I, I, so I always I, do. I, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> so I, 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 kind of, I kind of trollishly attended this one pro-abortion. I won't even call it pro-choice because that's using the language. I don't want to play the last game. I went to this one pro-abortion book club event, my 2L years, which would have been spring 2015, was by a, a feminist writer by the name of Catherine Paulus. And if I remember the title of the book correctly, or, or at least the title of the event they were holding about this book, it was, quote, shout your abortion. Right. And the, the entire point here is to remove the stigma. Right. Now, the stigma, of course, as you and I both know, is properly attached to right. abortion, because right. abortion is kind of an, an inherently morally dubious activity. It used to be, of a, yeah. Of an, of an, yeah, and, and, you know, large swaths of America's bipartisan majority used to believe that. But they really have moved that far. And to your point about about Hobbes and Stacey Abrams and Georgia, just everyone who can't seem to kind of articulate any kind of limitation whatsoever on this particular procedure... I, I, I was talking about this with Danielle D'Souza, Dinesh's daughter, on, on her show a couple weeks ago. And the best that I could come up with, as far as kind of guessing as to why this may be the case, why they are just so obstinate, is because I think once you grant the premise that the abortion procedure is different in some meaningful respect than any kind of other surgery, or even just like clipping a toenail, you know? I mean, once you kind of concede that it is meaningfully different, then the obvious question is why? Yeah. Why is it different? Yeah. And they don't, they don't want to get to that. Yeah. That is the whole point of the so-called pro-choice rhetoric. It's the whole point of this kind of euphemistic language, because they, they want to hide the fact that abortion is an inherently gruesome, grisly procedure. Right. And I think once you start conceding limitations, they get into some very, very dangerous waters very quickly. Yeah, it's odd that we're considered, or the narrative has become, that the pro-life movement is uh, is the extreme movement when 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 they stand for exactly what you say they stand for, euphemize it and yeah, euphemize and euthanize, but also lie about it um, in, in 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 with such incredible extre- incredible extremism, like in the case of Stacey Abrams. I mean, it is odd that they would say and get away with saying things. Like the uh, the heartbeat is a manufactured thing. It, it's very it's 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 just so odd how strongly they they have they have adhered to their to their position. And I think you're right. Regardless, I think they kind of have worn out their welcome on running this into a um, into a, a an election victory on November eighth. It I think a lot of people I know 
think Arizona, you know, 8,000 abortions a year in Arizona, latest latest numbers I saw. A lot of people are saying, okay, you know, it's an issue, but it's far from the most important issue, and it's not an issue that increasingly will affect me, right? Yeah, I mean, look, there was a New York Times-Siena poll earlier this week. I think the cross-tabs were... Roughly 26% of voters said that just the economy, generally speaking, was the number one issue they were voting on. And an additional 18% cited in with total of 44% are talking about economic-related issues in general. I think crime was, was the next biggest yep. after that. If I remember that poll correctly, people who actually said that abortion was their number one issue that they are voting on this election was 5%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's, just, it's very far down the loophole. And if you think about it, constitutionally speaking, that actually makes a great deal of sense. Um, I, I mean, kind of the entire short to midterm effect of the Dobbs decision is to let the legislatures vote on this, yeah. let the legislature sign this. I mean, you know, you and I being, you know, from the Claremont Institute and how the RTs and all this, you and I both know that ultimately this has to be resolved on the national level. But at least in kind of the short to midterm, this is going to be a, a predominantly, uh, perhaps even exclusively state issue. So if you're going to the ballot box to vote for U.S. congressmen, U.S. Senate candidates, it just doesn't make a whole lot of constitutional sense that you'd be going to that federal ballot box yep. with that particular issue. It, it, it's, just, it's just completely illogical. Actually. No, that's a really good point, Josh. That's a really good point through, uh, for seeing that. We're talking to Josh Hammer. Josh, it, Josh, if we do win back the Senate, and if we do it in numbers that you're talking about, 52 seats, possibly 54, uh, we're assuming that means also a, a pretty good red, t- uh, a, a pretty good red tide in the House. Does that change the Biden White House and the Biden administration the way Gingrich kind of moderated the Clinton, or has the Democratic Party and is this administration so much different than they were then? I think if you were dealing with the Joe Biden of, I mean, just fifteen twenty years yeah. ago, honestly. If, you know, if that Joe Biden were the president of the United States, who was a modestly, incrementally more reasonable, pragmatic figure, I think that he absolutely would have had a Bill Clinton post-contract with America style kind of uh, change of course. I mean, I'm not doing a 180, obviously, yeah. but, but at least some, at least kind of a, a, a bit of humility and sobriety. Yeah, moderating as, influence, but, yeah. yeah. Right, but like as it, as it currently stands, I, I would be remiss if I got my hopes up for that. I mean, Biden at this point is best understood as just an avatar. I yeah, mean, there are people. Yeah. Clear, there are there are, there are people clearly pulling the strings. I yeah. don't know exactly who it is. I mean, it's some combination of the chief of staff. I have my own kind of personal theory. It's not my exclusive theory, but I actually personally have speculated to a lot of friends that I suspect Barack Obama is actually a lot more involved behind the scenes than people yeah, I think he may, is too. May, may realize. I think so. So I, 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 at this point, Biden, I mean, like, you know, you know, said the speech he gave earlier this week where he was trying to put abortion back on the radar as, like, as, as his number one issue of Democrats keep Congress. I mean, he kind of, he, his eye contact is terrible. He ended the speech by saying, thank you, and I'm sorry. I mean, like, like, like he's just not there. Yeah, I mean, no. He's, he's not let, there. Josh, let me, let me take a quick commercial break. I want to pick up on that and maybe play a little bit of a devil's advocate from a, from a, from a 50,000 uh, foot view uh, with you on the other side, if I can. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Josh Hammer. He is the opinion editor at Newsweek. And he is a syndicated columnist. We're talking about his piece, Is the Red Wave Back? You can get it at spectator.org from the American Spectator. Josh and I will be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Josh Hammer is our guest. He's the opinion editor at Newsweek. He is a syndicated columnist. We're talking about his piece, Is the Red Wave Back? We were just talking about, uh, in the previous segment, about how the elections look to be shaping up from the House and Senate perspective, what it might be able to do, what it might be able to do to temper or moderate some of the Biden administration. And then Josh and I started talking about who really is in charge. Josh, you you were saying your own speculation is that Barack Obama has a lot more influence. I I think that's probably right. I've always thought it was a combination of uh, Susan Rice and um, and uh, and Ron Klain. But Susan Rice is Barack Obama's uh, understudy, I think. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's. But who knows? Clearly, clearly. Uh, Joe Biden is not there. I mean, there is the, the elevator's not going up. It just isn't. And 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 it's an odd thing. It's an odd thing where we all kind of are going along with this joke, this really bad joke of the of the Hans Christian Andersen story uh, of the emperor and 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 no clothes. But if you're a Democrat today supporting the Biden administration or supporting Joe Biden, you must know you must know that you're perpetrating a joke, if not a fraud. You must. Well, I'm, I'm not ideology can blind you, though. I, I, God knows, ideology can exactly. blind you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that self awareness is a trait that I would kind of, you know, loosely up to my tongue affiliate <laughs> with the Biden White House these days. I mean, I, I, I think basically, yeah, on every issue across the board. I mean, just today, earlier today, I saw my friend Terry Schilling of the American Principles Project talking about the fact. And I, I, I must have totally missed this. I mean, I work in this business as a full-time job, and I totally missed this. Apparently, the, the Biden administration is now voicing support for an abortion leave policy. I guess this is part of their kind of let's huh, put abortion okay. on the forefront. It, and, and, what, and what that means is, you know, you know I mean, it, it, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, if you have an abortion, then you get, like, paid leave time. But this administration is not even talking about paid family leave right. time in general. Right. Like when you have a kid, so right. they're talking about paying you, well, paying you to kill your unborn kid, but not if you actually have a kid. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, how much starker can it possibly get that you're just totally out to lunch and out of touch with what the American people want and need? So I, I, I really do think it is what you said that that ideology is blinding them. I mean, the data are just kind of incrementally trickling in over the past year or so that on so many of these so-called culture war issues, they just continue to overplay their hand. I mean, yeah. I, I was paying a lot of attention about a week, week and a half ago or so at that kind of parental revolt in Dearborn, Michigan, one yeah. of, if not the most Muslim towns in America, yeah. where all these Muslims in Dearborn, they, I think they were listening to kind of a call to action from the local imam. And, you know, these folks, by definition of who they are, don't even fit into the media's contrived narrative of white, you know, Trump, MAGA, Christian nationalists, whatever. And there they are saying that, like, they object to all this kind of uh, sexual uh, content, all sure. this uh, pedagogy sure. I and mean, grooming, for lack of a better term, in, in the schools. I think back, I mean, I live here in the state of Florida. I mean, look what happened with, with you know, with our governor DeSantis taking on the Walt Disney Company this year. I mean, he, he took them on over a bread and butter culture war issue that is an ideologically guiding issue for the left, which is just putting the LGBT agenda, putting the quote-unquote gender-affirming care, all that stuff right in front of kids and children. But DeSantis won that fight, and Florida Republicans won that fight so handily, and they have the polling at their back. Yeah. Polls after polls show that not just Floridians, but the American people supported the Florida GOP and Governor DeSantis' decision to strip Disney of that tax 
status, that special status they had in the Reedy Creek District in the Orlando area. So I, I, I just think on issue after issue, they are just so blinded by ideology. I, I, and at this point, maybe kind of a true midterm election spanking if the wave is on the magnitude of kind of what I'm speculating, like a 55, dare I say, even 56-seat style, like legitimate wave, which I'm not necessarily predicting to be clear. But I mean, if we actually get that high, maybe they'd sober up a little bit. But I mean, I, 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 they're not going to like flip on a dime and stop peddling critical race theory or gender ideology next year, that's for sure. Let me do a devil's advocate. You kind of teed it up a little bit there with what Ron DeSantis did. Let me let me let me let me try this uh, for your thought, Josh. You know, I sometimes worry that we have told ourselves for too long that we are a center right nation. And I sometimes worry about whether that's actually true. And the reason I, I, I we can we could do nights and nights and nights talking about the reasons. But the one I'm looking at right now is this Oz Fetterman race. Um, here are you, this is in the state that gave us Rick Santorum not that long ago. Um, this man, Fetterman, can't string a sentence together. I don't know if he can string thoughts together, but he clearly cannot string a sentence together. This shot guy should be 10 points down against any generic Republican, never mind, you know, a very well-credentialed and well-spoken Republican. It's not even cl- I mean, it's not tied. It's it's I haven't seen a poll that shows Fetterman losing. Uh, there's one that may have him running even. Uh, how is this possible? Is how is it, are we when I look at Pennsylvania, how is it possible that they are willing to put uh, such a dunderhead, such a bumble, such a bumbling person ahead of the Republican? What explains that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I do predict that Dr. Oz is, is, is going to win that race. And I, I think some polls that kind of have within one point, I think I saw one poll that was a, that was a dead heat. But, you know, point well taken. So, I mean, one thing that was until that NBC interview with Lester Holt, I think it was, or maybe it was someone else, I, until that interview when Fetterman basically conceded that he needed closed captioning because he couldn't oh, actually right. process yeah. mm-hmm. the, the auditory sentence, at least until that point, the media had gone above and beyond to shield him. That's correct. Right, in, right. From, that was a sin. So, right. Right. So the voters, I think, like, in, you know, quite literally did not actually see or were not able to process the extent to which his stroke and, you know, the, to the extent it needs to be said, we, of course, wish him a swift recovery and all that. But uh, the voters were not able to, I think, see, at least up until that time, just how much this was affecting him. But I guess the other thing about the state of Pennsylvania, I mean, you know, admittedly, this is Pat Toomey's seat. Pat Toomey is a Republican who's retiring, and as you said, it's, it's Rick Santorum's former seat. But the state of Pennsylvania, or, or I should say the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, technically, um, you know, for, for, for many years, it was actually fool's gold for Republicans in presidential elections. So before, before, before Trump through the before Trump broke through the Rust Belt there, the so-called blue wall in 2016. I don't think Pennsylvania had gone for the Republicans in the presidential race since George H. W. Bush in '88. Yeah, so, you know Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's it's not a deep red. No, it's not. But, it's a fair point. No, it's a fair point. Let me let me hit this quick break real quick, Josh. I'll come right back and we'll. And we'll uh, have one more segment together to conclude the thought. I appreciate you. Uh, I'm Seth Liebson. He's Josh Hammer. His piece is The Red Wave Back. You can get it at spectator.org. He is the opinion editor of Newsweek as well as a syndicated columnist. Josh and I will be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. We're talking with Josh Hammer. He's the opinion editor at Newsweek and a syndicated columnist. His most recent piece just up today is The Red Wave Back. You can get it at the American Spectator or spectator.org. Josh, you were just saying Pennsylvania. It may not be the dipstick that we think it is in some respects. Uh, you were responding to my question, how is it possible in a center-right or even a moderate state that someone who's incapable of speaking, literally, um, and hearing, I guess, auditorily, uh, can be winning in that race in this time with these conditions. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's it, I mean, you, you're, you're making a fair point, too, about some of these states. They aren't what they used to be. Colorado isn't. Uh, Arizona isn't what it used to be. Mark Kelly sits in the seat that Barry Goldwater used to. How's that for for, for dramatic irony? No, it really is, right? But I, I think in a state like Pennsylvania, I mean, you know, like you, Seth, I live in the broader Sun Belt. I'm right. here in Florida, you're in Arizona. But I have to say, as far as some of the future of the GOP perspective, I tend to be a little more, or I tend to be most bullish. I, I shouldn't say more bullish, but I tend, to, I tend to be most bullish about actually the rough belt. I mean, I, I, I do think that states like Wisconsin, yep. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio are only going to continue to get redder and redder. And, and that's not to say, obviously, that a Florida, Texas, or Arizona are going to flip blue. On the contrary, I, I think not. But I do think that as the broader political realignment that we're seeing unfold before our eyes and hasn't happening for the past few years, as that happens, I think as you see more and more Republicans, especially in that Rust Belt region, kind of embrace kind of a J.D. Vance-style message that is kind of culture war-centric and a little more pragmatic and, and, and less kind of laissez-faire fundamentalist on uh-huh. economic issues. Yeah. I, I do think Republicans are going to continue to make inroads in Pennsylvania. I mean, Pennsylvania has obviously gotten whacked by globalization. Sure. Uh, you know, about as bad as any state in the country, frankly, sure. with, with the possible exception just of its neighboring state of Ohio. So... Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how much Dr. Oz is kind of voicing kind of concern for offshoring manufacturing. Yeah, on yeah, trail, yeah. It's not his message exactly. I get it. I take that point. Yeah. 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 But we'll see. But, 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 but we'll see. I, I, I do think that Dr. Oz is ultimately going to pull through in that race if I were a betting man. I, you, you probably get the same thing I do in, in, in the question along the lines of, OK, so if we win a majority, you know, we've we've won majorities before and been disappointed. This is a better and stronger Republican Party than years past, though, don't you think, Josh? I, I think it is. It's my sense that it is. I uh, my sense is that this is this is a much better and stronger Republican Party. I mean, I am very, very excited at some of the potential new senators come January 2023. I mean, just to kind of name three right right off the top of my head, you know, right there in Arizona, Blake Masters, I think Blake has tremendous potential to genuinely shift the Overton window of the conversation. I I mentioned J.D. Vance, who I've gotten to know as well. I'm a huge, huge fan of J.D. And, you know, in Arizona's neighboring state of Nevada, I'm also a huge fan of Adam Blackwell. I mean, Adam Blackwell, this is kind of a fun tidbit that I, 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 you know, I'm sure you know, or at some point her because you're a political junkie like me, but for the listeners who may not know, this is a really fun fact. Adam Laxalt is actually Ron DeSantis' former roommate. They, they're they, best friends they, as far as I understood it. They they really yeah, are. No, they, yeah, people should know that. <laughs> people should know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're, they're, they're genuinely best friends. Yeah. The wives get our chummy get along. Yeah. Dennis has, like, formally endorsed Laxalt, which he doesn't necessarily do for a ton of people running in a primary and so forth. So, uh, and I've gotten to know Adam a little bit as well. So those three guys right there, I mean, that, they're all young, but they're all hungry, and they all have the right ideas. And from what I can tell, they, they're they just eager to get there and get their hands really dirty. And, and that's the kind of enthusiasm that we need. 
Yeah, I'm think about that. And Adam Laxalt, Ron DeSantis, Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, J.D. Vance party. That's a pretty cool party, adding to the likes of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tom Cotton and, and some other greats, uh, Jim Jordan. Right. That's a good party. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's a Republican Party that I can get excited yeah. at, which, yeah. isn't necess- which isn't necessarily what I felt when I was watching, for example, kind of like the 2012 primaries, right? right? I mean, there are some, there are some fests, and then there are some exciting crops of candidates, and I, I, I think that this field, if it takes the shape that it, it seems to be taking, is the latter. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, especially even if this New Hampshire race just start, really starts kind of moving towards the public. Boy, that's interesting. That. I mean, yeah, they're putting money there, and it's paying off. The New York thing is the biggest uh, eye-opener for my, for me today. I mean, that, that, that Lee Zeldin potential man. Wow. Wow. That's an earthquake. I mean, I grew up in New York State. When I was growing up there, George Pataki was the governor of New York. George Pataki, if I'm not mistaken, was the, was the last Republican governor of New York. Yep. Lee Zeldin, to his immense credit, has been running an extremely disciplined yep. campaign. Yep. He, he has been running on exactly the issues that he, that he should be running on. Yep. He has been generally avoiding the issues that he should be avoiding. I mean, you know, my brother lives in New York City. My parents, for their, at least the immediate time being, they're probably going to move out soon, but they still live in New York State. I mean, crime is the issue. Yeah. New York, crime is the issue. And inflation as well, obviously. I think that's an issue everywhere in the country. But, I mean, these issues kind of come full circle in our conversations, Beth. These crime, inflation, these issues, these are the Republicans winning issues this election cycle. And they shouldn't forget that the Democrats are dramatically overplaying their hand on the so-called cultural issues. And they should be willing to make that known very loudly and clearly if pressed on it. I think Carrie Lake's done a, has done a fantastic job yep. of that, by the way, yep. uh, on yep. the abortion issue oh, yeah. right, right there yep. in your state. Yep. But the issues that this election is going to be decided on fundamentally favor the Republicans, and you know that's why I think the red wave is here to stay. Josh Hammer, you're so generous with your mind and time. Thank you, sir. Very much appreciated. Always good to catch up. I appreciate it. You have a great weekend, sir, and we'll talk again soon, I hope. You too, Seth. Take care. Thank you. God bless. Josh Hammer, opinion editor at Newsweek, syndicated columnist. His piece is The Red Wave Back. This is his most re- recent column. You can get it at spectator.org. I'm Seth Liebson, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I am Seth. Bill, we can probably lose that bumper <laughs> coming in. <laughs> it doesn't. I love squeeze, but that that was probably a bad choice of mine at one point. <laughs> if you're worried about stock market volatility, what if I could offer you an investment in a portfolio with a strong fixed rate of return and no correlation to the stock market? Well, I can't, but our friends and sponsors at Y Refi. They have a remarkable investment opportunity. It's all in a secure and collateralized portfolio with an up to 10 and a quarter percent return for investors. And the investment can be a joint investment. It can be an individual investment, a trust, an IRA. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm made of great guys who do really well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that, too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, no letter Y. REFY.com, investyrefi.com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087. That's 855-316-3087. Never a sales pitch. They just like talking about what it is that they do and letting it speak 
for itself. Do you remember, just thinking about the various the various things Josh and I were talking about, kind of a theme picking up from a little bit of yesterday, too, that was on my mind. When you look at the ads that you're seeing from um, the Democrats, particularly here in Arizona, they come in two forms, obviously. They come in attack ads against the opponent, and they come in uh, ads that, you know, are, bolster themselves, talk about their own uh, their own virtues and merits. Notice when they do their own vir- – well, let's notice two things with these ads. Let's first on the attack ads. You will sometimes see – and I see they're doing this to Kerry Lake, and, and I wish that, that more people would call them out on this. The Democratic uh, Party of Arizona is doing this to Kerry Lake, this whole secession business. She's never said it. She's never said the word secession. She is not a secessionist. Uh, she talked about problems with the federal government. Well, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Uh, of course, the federal government has problems and we want them out of the way on a lot of things or at least to get them to do their job. Like when it comes to immigration policy, this has been a fight with Arizona and the feds going back some years now, going back at least uh, to the Jan uh, to the Jan Brewer uh, administration, hasn't it? Uh, where we the feds won't do their job on immigration. Arizona tries to do something about it and the feds sue us. So, of course, you know, if they want to preempt the field, fine. But we want them to do their job if they're going to preempt the field. That's all we're talking about here. Uh, So they throw the secession stuff around and then they have what looks like reports or news articles that validate what they're saying. And what I'm asking you to do, folks, is look for what the citation is. What is the citation? Is it a legitimate news source, first of all? Or is there no citation whatsoever? No citation whatsoever. They do a pretty good job of making you think that there are a series of articles or a series of quotes or even a transcript of Carrie Lake saying something she has never once said. This, too, is probably why Katie Hobbs does not want to debate her or did not want to debate her. She would be called out on this kind of thing. It's to the media's shame. The media that held a big march in front of the Cronkite school yesterday that I spoke about in my monologue. It is to the media's shame that they do not call this stuff out. They are not calling balls and strikes. As um, even Never Trumper Peggy Noonan put in her uh, Wall Street Journal column today, I guess it'll be in print tomorrow, she said the media has definitively changed. After Donald Trump, they were no longer journalists. They were there to tip the scales with their personal political predilections. That's exactly right and well done. Okay, the other side of the ad, though, uh, of these political ads that I've been thinking a lot about is the ones that are self-serving, you know, self-promoting. Nothing wrong with that, of course. Wouldn't it be great if more ads were more about your own merits rather than the other guy's putative demerits? But when it comes to, to these ads that the candidates do about themselves, it is interesting beyond anything I can really find the words to say, that the distortion is towards the conservative position. Mark Kelly, for example, runs ads bragging about how he cares about the border. Mark Kelly runs ads bragging about how he stands up to Joe Biden. Mark Kelly runs ads on and bragging about how he supports the police. Isn't that Interesting. Nowhere until three months ago did you hear any Democrat uh, speaking like they were a conservative. Why is it they're speaking like a conservative? Well, maybe my thesis 
isn't altogether true that we aren't a center-right nation or center-right state. Maybe we truly are. Maybe we truly are, particularly when you look at the numbers that are moving in the Hispanic community, the Hispanic American community. These numbers are real. Uh, these uh, Phil Graham had a great uh, column in the Wall Street Journal on this. These numbers are real, and the Hispanic um, the Hispanic American community is abandoning the Democratic Party much like um, the middle class had abandoned the Democratic Party, much like um, many other minority groups are taking second looks at and third looks at the Republican Party. Why is the Democratic Party, when they are in campaign mode right up to the election, why are they distorting their own records in favor of conservative positions like caring about the police, like caring about the border, like standing up to Joe Biden? Why is that? There's only one logical reason for it, which is that's what their experts tell them the people who are going to vote for them or against them are interested in and want, which does say we are a generally center-right state or country, if my thesis is true. I don't know. I just don't know. But the fact that they lie, when they lie, about their records, it's towards a conservative position not towards a more progressive position, tells us something. So watch for it and be optimistic on it, of course. All right, uh, uh, just a thought I was having I wanted to share with you. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon and some of your week with us. Hope to see a bunch of you. At the uh, at the uh, at the Battleground Talkers tour on Sunday, uh, I'll be there with Mike Gallagher and Charlie Kirk and Brandon Tatum, Blake Masters, some others. Rachel Mitchell will be there. Be great to have you there. If you uh, didn't get your tickets yet, you can still get them at nine sixty thepatriotcom They start as low as five dollars for general admission. Of course, we have VIP and premium seating too, but we wanted to make it uh, deliberately low cost for as many of you who could go and or may want to bring a friend as possible. So 960thepatriot.com, and I'll look forward to seeing you Sunday afternoon. It's an afternoon event, so as I said, you can be home in time for uh, Sunday Sunday dinner. Um, one other, I'll leave you with one other uh, piece of uh, reading uh, for the weekend uh, that you may want to pass around. If you have access to the Wall Street Journal, take a look at uh, Kim Strassel's most recent piece out uh, just today. Georgia exposes the Jim Crow 2.0 lie. Remember how much Joe Biden at the beginning of the year was demanding that the feds take over our election uh, election laws and he went to Georgia and he called people who didn't agree with him, i.e. Republicans, the party of uh, the party of uh, Jim Crow 2.0. He called us he called us George Wallace and Jefferson Davis and Bull Connor um, because we were suppressing the vote. Read Kim Strassel's piece, because to me, voter suppression means keeping people from voting or getting less people voting. She goes through the primary <laughs> elections that have taken place and the early voting. That has taken place in places like Georgia and record highs, record highs. If Republicans are suppressing the vote, they're doing an awfully bad job of it. It's much more likely the Democrats are trying to grab power and work nefarious things with our election laws. That's much more. I mean, 
You can trust Joe Biden and Stacey Abrams, or you can trust your own two eyes. God bless you all. Until Monday or Sunday, I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.